When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Eagles fans, this is Chris Franklin from NJ Advanced Media, and welcome back to the No Huddle Show podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. Before we begin, I wanted to remind you that you can read our content on NJ.com slash Eagles, and make sure to bookmark that to get the latest Eagles news and analysis. You can also subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Extra Insider Tech service, and through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us, and we'll respond to your phone. Today, I'm once again joined by No Huddle Show co-host Les Bowen. We're going to talk about the Eagles and their third straight win of the season, this time against the Washington Commanders. We'll also talk about the performance of Devonta Smith, the sack party the Eagles had on Commanders quarterback and the former Eagle, Carson Wentz, and if Jalen Hurts has earned the title of franchise quarterback. Before all that, Les, how are you doing today? Doing just fine, Chris. That's good. That's good. Uh, we made the trek back from FedEx Field last night, and uh, we we had the chance to watch that Eagles take on the uh, Commanders and them earning that twenty four to eight win. But before we get into some of the other topics, uh, I just want to have a question, Les. Do you have any stories that stick out from your previous time visits at FedEx Field? Oh, I sure do, Chris. I'll never forget the first time I went down there. Uh, I was it was my first season. Uh, covering the Eagles. And I had come over from covering the Flyers. And you Flyers games, even though it's a winter sport and it's played on ice, you cover it indoors. So you don't really worry too much about what you're wearing. So I went down to Washington. I think it was pretty early in the season. It wasn't like, you know, December or January. But uh, got down there and discovered that the press box was open and that there was a pretty good wind coming right into my face. And uh, that was uh, not not the greatest night of my life, frankly. I was uh, about to freeze there. I was nearing hypothermia by the fourth quarter. So the next time I went, which would have been the next year, I guess, uh, I was uh, going to be really smart and, and have this covered. So I put on like long underwear and brought gloves and all kinds of stuff. And I got down there and they had decided in the interim to enclose the press box. <laughs> so I was oh, too hot. Oh, <laughs> I was too hot that night. And, uh, you know, kind of set the tone for my many visits since. Why that 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 just seems like a, such a FedEx story it is completely like, hey, you know what? This, this makes sense. Let's go the opposite way. Yeah, it should have been closed to begin with. I can only imagine all the papers and stuff that were flying around. Oh, my goodness. And, and, and this is craziness. But anywho, uh, the Eagles went there, got the win. I mean, offensively, they had another good day numbers wise. They, they finished with 400 total yards of offense, which just this offense continuing to rolls. And I guess I'll start off offensively. Les, when you look at the way they perform, what are your biggest takeaways? Well, there are several good ones uh, that, uh, you know, come to mind, Chris. For me, 
I was kind of watching Jalen Hurts yesterday because I was writing about the the Hurts Wentz matchup, and I just thought he took a big step forward. And I'm not sure he's getting enough credit for that. Given you know, I think there's a lot of focus on the amazing day that Devontae Smith had, the acrobatic catches he made, which there should be focus. That was amazing, but hurts. You know, the one thing we hadn't seen in those first two games was a defense that got after him a little bit. Well, I guess Detroit did that, but Detroit, you know, it didn't really stop him from taking off with the ball or stop the Eagles from running the ball. So they were able to win, you know, without Hurts having a big day through the air. Uh, Minnesota, he threw the ball very, very well, but it was a kind of a passive zone defense and he wasn't getting a lot of pass rush pressure. So it was a, a very efficient, uh, mature performance against Minnesota, but it wasn't, you know, you didn't feel like he was getting pressed that much. This game was different. I mean, the first two series were terrible for the Eagles. Hertz was one for five for five yards. Um, he was kind of being chased to the boundaries a lot, not being allowed to turn the corner and gain yardage. He was throwing the ball away. Uh, his receivers were covered. And I was real interested in how that was going to work out. And it worked out. Uh, suddenly, he just started chucking bombs. I think they figured out some things in protection. And he got a long one downfield to Smith. And after that, it was a different game. I thought Dalen Hurts uh, really showed me a lot on a day when the run game wasn't working, which was the focus of their success last season offensively. Um, he showed me what he could do with his arm, really, with the three touchdown passes in the first half. I think like most fans, I was expecting more scoring in the second half or some scoring in the second half, but I don't think that was really his fault. I think there were some other people offensively who didn't quite uh, – you know, I think the offensive line play got a little spottier in the second half. They had a few guys running in and out with injuries, and you know, I, I, maybe some of the play calls weren't very good in the second half. But uh, I thought Hertz was – really, really making a case for himself as a guy who can not just perform well when you set things up right for him, but can turn things around himself, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. And and when you look at the way he's been playing lately, I mean, I think especially just looking, actually, I'll start with the uh, commander's way itself, the game itself. I thought he pulled himself out of of a tough couple tough situations overall. He didn't, it, it looked early on. He, it, and I'm starting to, I was starting to think first couple of days, like, Oh no, he's starting to maybe revert a little bit back to late season last year, but he turned things around very quickly. You know, he started putting the ball in areas where Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard and, and AJ Brown were able to have some success. And you started to see that they were picking apart that Jack Del Rio defense and, when they started got rolling, they really got rolling, especially in that second quarter. And I, I thought I was really impressed in, uh, before the end of the half, the way he held his composure and, with, with the clock running down, no timeouts, and t- in order to get everybody lined up in the right spot and not only get the snap off without getting a penalty for not not being uh, for illegal formation or anything like that, but to have the wherewithal to put the ball in a spot that only Devonta Smith could catch it and allow him to use his athleticism to get it. So. I've seen a lot of growth from him, and 
when you look right now at his season statistics, he's completing 67% of his passes. He's got 916 yards in passing yards, four touchdowns a pick, and he's still running the ball very effectively. And, and I, I throw all this because I'm going to ask you this question that I dealt with too. You know, he's got two years. He's in. The, he's got two years left on his contract. After this year, he's up eligible for an extension. Let's looking after everything you've seen out here. Do you feel that he's a franchise quarterback for his team? Well, I, I don't want to make that dis, that hard and fast decision after three games. I think if and I'm writing this for tomorrow. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, you you still have to read my story, my column. Uh, you know, you're not excused. Uh, this is uh, just sort of a, <laughs> a, a Cliff's Notes version. But uh, you know, the Carson Wentz experience, I was all in on that. You know, 2017, I didn't think there were any questions that guy hadn't answered. Uh, it wasn't his fault he got hurt. Uh, it took me a long time to realize that things were a little more complex than just playing a dozen or so really great games. Uh, you do have to do it in the playoffs, whether it's your fault that you're not able to play there or not. But uh, to be a franchise quarterback, you have to win in the playoffs against good defenses, and you have to do it for more than one year. And, you know, so in the true sense, we're a long way from finding out whether Jalen Hurts is, you know, that guy that's going to be the quarterback here for at least the next half dozen years and and go to the Pro Bowl and maybe win Super Bowls. We can't say that right now. But what we can say is he's certainly taking strides toward that and he's doing things that maybe he didn't do last season. And we were wondering if he could do. And, you know, there's no reason to doubt him at this particular moment, I guess. Even if you haven't proven something, you know, it's there's nothing on the other side of the ledger, I guess what I'm saying, through three games. I mean, he's thrown one interception, wasn't at all his fault, bounced off the receiver's hands against the Vikings, no fumbles, uh, very few bad decisions from him that I have seen this season. So I, I'm going to say, you know, he's doing the work. It's just you can't you can't give somebody an A after three really good uh, tests if it's a 17 test semester, I guess. But so far, yes. He's got he's got a he's he's aced those pop quizzes so far, and uh, for me, you know, I'm sitting there looking, and I know it's still early, but I'm just trying to project. Not only just through the rest of the season, but looking long term at, at the state of the conference and also just the league overall. And you see more teams going toward these dual threat guys. I mean, Josh Allen is that type of guy. Lamar Jackson is that type of guy. And you're starting to see when you look at the statistics of this season. And once again, I know it's too early. I look at a guy like Hurts, and I think he can be among those guys. I think he can be a top 10 quarterback in this league more and more I think about it, and franchise guy. Because when I think of franchise guy, I think of a guy who you could, if you had to put the game on his shoulders and he has asked him to make a play, I think Hurts is that guy, even when he comes to using his legs. he, he start. I know he's started saying like early in his career that he's he always wanted to emulate Russell Wilson. Well, I think – I think the Eagles have that version of him. I think when you look at that ability that he has to scramble around, I think over time you won't have you won't see him running the, the ball 
on design runs as much as you can beforehand because they want to protect them overall. That's not going to be sustainable. But I think when it comes to his pocket, the ability to stay in the pocket, maneuver in the pocket, throw the ball, get it to those weapons, being a leader, most important. I think it's one of the important things we have a quarterback, having a leader and buying them because well, you heard what happened with Wentz previously before. He didn't have the total buy in his team. It appears that he has that with this team too, and that's a huge thing. So when I'm putting all those together, I think that's where you have – I think the Eagles do have a franchise quarterback, and they can lead him for at least for the next four or five years. Yeah, that's very well said, Chris. And and I think, uh, you know, what you said uh, about uh, – He's, he's developing in terms of things like throwing the ball to the left side, which he didn't do last year, or throwing it across the middle. Um, he's just doing things that, you know, that we wanted to see him do. And, and you can't really find any fault with that so far. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. And one of those guys that he threw to went off yesterday uh, was Devonta Smith. He finished with eight catches, 169 yards, and a touchdown. Got a little scared there at, at, toward the uh, – se- to, I thought he, I thought he hurt something really bad on that on that uh touchdown or, or not not touchdown but that that deep pass he had along the sideline right before the end of the half when he fell on his back and I was looking looking like I hope it wasn't a serious injury there but like he just got the wind knocked out of him and came back out there and last when you look at what he's been able to do so far this season you know he didn't have the catch in in the first game until all of a sudden he's got eight and, and puts up those big numbers. Where do you see the differences between last year and this year? And do you think it's sustainable for him to have a big season like he did in big games like he did Sunday? Well, it certainly looks like it, Chris. Uh, like I said, throwing over the middle, throwing the left side, uh, not really needing the run game to uh, set him up. You know, that that's what I saw yesterday. You talk about putting the game on someone's shoulders and uh, that's kind of what they did. I mean, they did not have the kind of uh, buttressing, you know, that they're used to there. And uh, he had to throw it long. He didn't have to just throw it. I mean, those weren't most of those weren't like screen passes or slants. They were. He was really having to air it out to gain yardage and uh, and for the offense to gain traction. And he did it. And I don't think, you know, Washington isn't a great team. They're not going to make the playoffs this year. But that defense looked pretty good to me, frankly. Uh, I thought their coverages looked good. I thought their uh, front group looked really good. Um, I think it was probably one of the stronger defenses he'll face this season. So, yeah, I was uh, – I think he can very much, uh, you know, get into that top ten group you were talking about and uh and you know have a hell of a year and i think the team is headed for a hell of a year assuming people stay healthy yeah you know i think it, i think the eagles benefited a little bit too with uh commander's cornerback william jackson a third being out because it put the onus on kendall kendall fuller and, and he was the one that was following uh following Smith most of that game and he and he had some issues doing that but I also look at the way that Siriati and Shane Steichen and, and the way they're positioning and deploying Smith and moving him around in the formations I believe uh, I was reading something on Pro Football Focus I was, I was looking at the, the grades they had and he's actually I believe the number one guy when it comes to the zone and he's up in their top 10 when it comes to playing in the slot as well too and the fact that they're able to get him snaps in the slot and allow him to get 
nearly a free release off the ball and do what he does well, which is setting up defenders to run his routes. I think that it's a smart thing to do. I just want to make sure uh, you see he's locked in as well, too. I just hope that he continues to grow on that as well, too, and take advantage of the coverage that A.J. Brown is is drawing his way as well. And he he remains he keeps remaining tuned in to this because we've seen it now where He's gotten the share of catches, and then A.J. Brown's got the share of catches. Pretty soon, I wouldn't be surprised if Goddard gets his, and I wouldn't be surprised if Watkins gets his too. So as long as the team continues to remain focused on getting and staying mentally ready in case their numbers call, I think that's going to be the most important thing. Good points. I agree. And now flipping over to the other side of the ball, the Eagles, uh, Carson Wentz was a – on the field, on the turf a lot, when he got on the FedEx field turf a lot, uh, the Eagles got nine sacks yesterday, which was the sec- the third highest, excuse me, third highest total they had in within the last 20 years, just 20, 30 years, I'm sorry, just about as well, too. And the last time they had a total nearly that high was in 2019 when they took on the Jets when they had 10. And you look at the you look at the names that that were able to get the pressure. I mean, Brandon Graham, two and a half sacks. You had Hassan Reddick. You have Fletcher Cox. You had Josh Sweat, each a sack and a half. You look at these, Javon Hargrave had a sack. Even TJ Edwards, the linebacker, even got in on the action as well, too, a little bit late in the game. Les, when you look at the way this defensive line played Sunday, do you think that was just an aberration, or do you think this is just a sign of things to come? Well, that, that's something we're going to have to figure out here, uh, you know, with these next several games. It was very encouraging. You know, th- that was the, probably the biggest question I had after two weeks was, is the defensive line everything it's chalked up to be? They really hadn't great, had great pressure on either Jared Goff or Kirk Cousins, sustained pressure. They did pretty well against Cousins down the stretch after the game was pretty much decided and the Vikings became one-dimensional. But, you know, early in the game, they weren't doing much. Uh, But yesterday was very different. Yesterday, the defense, with the offense sputtering those first few series, the defense really had to come out and, and stand up. And they sure did. I think uh, Wentz was sacked on three of his first five dropbacks. I don't know that I've ever seen that before. Um, they got the ball. I was pretty sure they were going to make a focus of that because we all know Carson fumbles more than any other uh, active quarterback. And, uh, you know, he, he, he talks about not fumbling as he did after yesterday's game, but it always seems to happen whether he has both hands on the ball or not. I don't know why, but it does. Um, so yeah, that was a tremendous game by the defensive line. If the Eagles are going to really be like top contenders and, you know, not just get into playoffs, but be a team that wins playoff games and maybe gets to the Super Bowl, the D line is going to have to play like that. Not nine sacks. You don't get nine sacks very often, but sustained pressure, particularly up the middle, uh, just, you know, making things miserable for the opposing offense. Uh, they handled the, the running game reasonably well. Um, you know, I, I thought it was a very, very strong effort for that D-line, and it's got to be like that. And, you know, you were kind of hoping that uh, Brandon Graham wasn't 
washed up because <laughs> you know, he's coming off that Achilles injury and, and he wasn't great those first two weeks, but he looked like himself Sunday. Uh, Josh Sweat looked good. Hassan Reddick looked good. Um, Fletcher Cox looked good. Javon Hargrave looked good. Uh, it was uh, it was a really strong effort all the way around. I don't have any worries per se when it comes to that middle of the defensive line. I think they get a lot of pressure and and a lot. I don't see that many strong interior linemen when it comes to within this. Not only just division. I think there's. I think I look at the uh, Cowboys when they're on. I, I I see a strong interior line. But I look overall the conference. It's not that many things because a lot of teams don't seem to seemingly invest highly into the guard and center position. So I think they can do okay there. I just look at the sustained amount of pressure they can get from the edges. I think Josh Sweat's finally coming on, and I have a little bit more confidence. It's just that other side where you have Hassan Reddick and, and Brandon Graham coming from that. I'm looking for more production. I think yesterday was a really good start for them. I look at Hassan Reddick, and part of it is just the fact I like that Gannon said, hey, you know what? Let him focus on rushing the passer instead of dropping him back as much as he did. So I thought that was helped out a little bit as well, too, and it paid off. And I hope it continues to do that because that's what he does best. He, he puts on a certain set of passers. I think Grant and Graham also did well as well, too, from that side because they – Listen, they like the commanders are trying to slide that line a couple of times over to toward the sweat and 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 hard in the middle, more to the left, and it opened things up for him to go as well too. So, and we saw the old Brandon Graham old, and I think they're also getting some not being on the field as much as helping them out. And if they they really need to get something from that left defensive and consistent pressure from there because that's where. I think they can the, the biggest opportunity for his defensive line is, and also I think they need to have their second unit with the one with Jordan Davis, Milton Williams, and, and Teron Jackson at times too. I think they need something for that too. So be, to, to give these guys a rest and, and for offensive lines to take them seriously and put pressure on the quarterback. So it's overall it's a it's still a work in progress. I'm not going to say this line is top ten. I don't think that I think is the assets. That they put into it should make it a top ten, let alone top five. Given how much money they did, but it's there's still some work to be done on that one and that one. But uh, yeah. But uh, going into it, finally we're gonna put a bow on this week, and we're gonna focus on Doug Peterson uh, a little bit later. But uh, less. Is there anything final? You have any final thoughts about this game that happened on Sunday? Just that. Uh this might seem uh, counterintuitive to some Eagles fans, but I really think it would be better for the Eagles in the long run if other teams in the division weren't so dysfunctional. Washington probably leads the pack there. Uh, Their owner, Dan Snyder, is hated by the fan base. Uh, He can't get a new stadium built because the local governments don't want to deal with him. Uh, they have not been a competitive team really since he bought the franchise more than 20 years ago. Um, I, I, it's fun to go down there and dominate their stadium and, and laugh at them, but I, I really kind of see the, the Super Bowl winners a lot coming out of competitive divisions where teams have to, you know, keep up with each other and sharpen themselves against one another. And uh, I think you can kind of get 
complacent. I think you can kind of get a false sense of who you are by beating up on teams that just aren't uh, seriously in the conversation. And uh, that's a little bit about what's happening in the NFC East right now. The Giants are starting to get things back together after a long period of buffoonery. Dallas is always Dallas. There's always going to be high-priced talent there, and it's always going to be chaos because the owner is Jerry Jones. And I don't know if they're ever going to really have sustained success again as long as he's in charge. And Washington is the real sad sack bunch that just can't produce anything. And, uh, you know, I just don't think that's a good thing. And we'll probably see – frankly, a, a better team this weekend in, from Jacksonville. And, uh, you know, I, even though we talk about it with Nick Sirianni every week, I think there is a danger that at some point guys are going to start thinking, yeah, we're pretty good. You know, this is uh, – we're pretty sharp. And that might be a little bit of what's going on in the second halves of these games where they aren't scoring, you know. I, I think they're going to have to develop more of a killer instinct, more of a 60-minute uh, instinct, and you know, you're not going to get it a lot in these NFC East games, maybe. You know, you brought up a very good point when it comes to NFC East because I think this is the division that when it's, that, when it's strong, I think it just makes it overall better for the league when it comes to overall. I mean, there's so many times when, like, when I was younger, you know, watching the games with my dad and it's Sunday afternoons and it's one o'clock and you kept hearing uh, Pat Summerall talking about the winner goes to the playoffs. And it was the Eagles going against the Washington, well, then Redskins, but now the Commanders. And when you look at it now, you don't see – it's always one team or another. I know 2020, the Eagles were down, very down. They were just flat out bad, and it was the Commanders that were able to go to the playoffs that one too. But you have not seen that those competitive games like you used to. You don't see Washington up toward the front, and I miss it. It's it's rough. You I mean I, I think the Giants rivalry is still there. I like that. We all know the Eagles – Certainly, the Eagles and their fans certainly take the Cowboys as main rivals, but I think the Cowboys still look at, at the Commanders and, and the Giants as more rivalry stuff. But I just miss that old school in, in, NFC, in, in NFC East rivals. But so that was well said by you. Uh, when it comes to, for me, my final thought is, is I know there's been a lot of talk this last couple of weeks about the way that Darius Slay and James Bradbury have played over these last few years. I mean, Rightfully so. I mean, Darius Slay was NFC Defensive Player of the Week last week. And then you have James Bradbury, who's been playing very well on the outside. And when you look at the way he's done, I think he had a heading into the game, he had a quarterback rating of seven when quarterbacks tried to throw his way. So they played very well. But there's the one guy who seems to get lost in that is Avanta Maddox. And when you look at the job that he's been done, teams have been picking on him. They, they, they haven't been shy because they say, we're not going to throw it out. We're not going to throw outside of those guys. Let me try to go him. And he's held his own. You look at him now, he's one of the highest graded cornerbacks out there in the league right now. He's playing very well. He's playing physical as well, too. He's joined up in the run game. He's throwing his shoulder in there, which, you know, a lot of cornerbacks aren't, aren't really <laughs> in tune to doing on it willingly. You see him doing that as well, too. And he made that big fourth down stop on the goal line. Yep. 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 He definitely did that as well, too. Yeah. He's playing well in support and he's become an overall complete cornerback. And, I, I still remember times, and it's still early, but remember when, like, when you had uh, Al Harris, Vincent, and, and, and they, you're starting to see it, it kind of looks like the Eagles have that 
recent, that newer version of that. It's so and, hard to keep that yeah. kind of group together. That's what I remember. That was when I first started covering the Eagles, Al Harris, uh, Troy Vincent, Bobby Taylor. The problem is everybody wants to get paid. And if you have three corners who are among the top 20 corners in the league, that's almost impossible with a salary cap. <laughs> and so, it, you know, that it's not a problem for this season, but I'll go back to one of my favorite hobby horses. The Eagles need to draft a really good corner sooner or later. It's been 20 years. You know, <laughs> you can't just keep signing guys. You know, it's uh, and, you know, I don't think this group is going to be together forever. Bradbury's only on a one year deal. Slay's over 30. Avante's going to want to get paid. You know, I, I just I, I think they need uh, to put more resources into that. But it's great to have that group. And it's rare. It's so rare to have three guys like that. It really is. And, you know, it, it, all, it always comes full circle. What we talked about earlier is now it looks like the Eagles don't need to use those first round picks for a quarterback. Now you can use those. You got so much flexibility now. You can trade both of them to move up in the top yes. 10 if you need to and get a, a one of the top cornerbacks in this that draft. That would be a pretty you, darn good thing around. to do. Yes. Oh, yeah. Or you even trade for one who's on a contract as well, too. But, yeah, for, like, like you said, I don't think this this might be the only year that you, you might have Bradbury. Because I think Bradbury's going to get paid after this year. He's, he, yeah, he's, he's playing so well. You'd almost like for him not to be playing quite as well, and then you'd have a better <laughs> shot at re-signing. He's playing so well that he's going to be like, if this continues, he's going to be set in the market in the offseason. Yeah. It's, this, this is, is, is going to be one of those things where – I guess they could franchise him, right? I don't know. Oh, you paid – I'll ask you, would you pay him the, the, the average of the top ten salaries if, for him? If, top he, five if he plays the rest of the season the way he's played these first three weeks, I might. I really might. I mean, if, if the cap goes way up like it's supposed to, you know – that's a heck of a valuable thing, I think. Uh, I wouldn't be – I'd look at it. I don't know that I'd do it, but I'd look at it. <laughs> oh, no. See, now you just opened a floodgates now because now I got a question. Okay, you have Bradbury, who's going to be a free agent. You got TJ Edwards is a free agent. Is going to be a free agent. Hertz might be up for uh, for extension for that money. Miles Sanders is going to be up for money. And, you know, not resigning Miles Sanders. Sanders. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. Miles Sanders, let him go find a deal. (laughs) Okay. I'll take that out. Uh, I think Sam Malu might be one of those guys who's nearing. Yeah. He's not going to be here either. He's going to find a deal somewhere else. (laughs) Okay. I'll take it. I'll take him out. Uh, You're going to need a defensive end, maybe two. Yeah, as well, that's too. true. Yeah. And oh yeah, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, the guy you just traded for, he's he's going to be looking for a big deal. Which where do you where do you focus your money on and start, try signing free agency? Well, that's we've got a long way to go before we really decide that. But I think corner, <laughs> you know, corner is one of the top three positions on the field. So you're never going to hear me say don't sign a really great corner or don't pay a really great corner. So I don't know, but we'll see. I thought, I thought I was going to get you with that one. All right. Well, well done. Well done. <laughs> this, this is why you're the, this is why you're a good vet. The, the, the Wiley vet. Bravo. Bravo. 
But I think that's going to be as good of a place to end this podcast. Remember, everybody, make sure to go to nj.com slash Eagles. We're going to have a lot of content coming up with the return of Doug Peterson to Philadelphia and his Jaguars team, who all of a sudden is starting to come out and surprise some people, especially after that 38 to 10 win over the Los Angeles Chargers. But less than myself, we're going to have a lot of stuff up there and feel free to reach out to us well, too, via Twitter, via Eagles Extra as well, too. We'll be available to talk to you guys. We always have fun doing that. So for less, I'm Chris. Everybody have a good one.